Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back. This is the Peddling Fiction Podcast, and I am broadcasting once again as your host, deep behind enemy lines, in a pitch black room. I am without power right now, so this is going to be an interesting episode for me. The voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. Hope everyone's doing well today. It is Tuesday, and I am without power for... I've been without power for the last uh, about, boy, three... Three or three and a half, four hours, something like that now. And I don't know what's causing it. There hasn't been a storm yet. It does look like one is brewing and heading my way, but there's it just went out in the middle of the day and really uh, kind of screwed up my afternoon here. I had to go... Luckily, the um, the building generator or whatever was, was giving power to the lobby, and they still had their Wi-Fi up, so I just went into the lobby, and I was I was working from there. I guess I could have gone to, like, a cafe or something. I don't know how widespread this is. I know it's our tower. I think it's, I think it's all three of the towers in my complex, but I don't know if it's, like, this whole area, like, you know, the next uh, condo's over or something like that. I have no idea. Nobody seems to know what's causing it, and they seem to be working at the typical getting-paid-by-the-day pace to figure out what's going on here. So I have no idea how long I'll be able to actually go. Of course, you know, I've been... I've been passing the the computer. I've been walking by this computer that I use to broadcast everything, right? And the um, the, the plug that I use for because I, I moved... I, I did an interview... If you haven't listened to it, you should go listen to the last episode with the the volunteer vixens. But I so I recorded that in a different room, just because right now I'm sitting in like almost like a utility closet. <laughs> now it's it's a bed it, it's a room that we converted from sort of like a utility room to a bedroom. But it's just you know it's a nicer background and everything when you're doing video with people to not have like a washing machine behind you or something like that. So um, I did that in a different room and I never transferred the cord, the power cord, along with uh, my computer. I just moved my computer. I brought it like into the living room to do some editing and stuff like that, and then I just left it there. And I kept walking by this cord and I kept thinking to myself, you know, I should really plug that in just so that it's it's plugged in and it's charged and it's ready to go. And, you know, the days just kept going by. I kept walking past this cord like an idiot. And, of course, I just left it there and left it there and left it there. And as of the start of this broadcast, I have 15% battery remaining on this computer. So I can go as long as this battery will last. And, it, you know, when I turned it on, I had 17%. And that was only, like, a couple minutes ago. And, you know, I had to get the everything set up. But... 
Uh, so it, it seems to be burning pretty fast, even though it's on a uh, battery saver. So um, I'm going to try to do the show here. This is hilarious. I'm sitting in a pitch black room with my phone. You know, I have my my notes and everything for the for the episode. I usually save it in a Google Doc, right? But of course, I don't have the internet, so I can't access the Google Docs on this computer. I thought you could access them offline, but I think you actually have to be on the Google Docs page before you can access the things offline. I could be wrong about that. I'm kind of an idiot, as you guys know, when it comes to this stuff. So um, <laughs> what I'm going to do here is try to pull it up on my phone. Bear with me for a second here. This is going to be a goddamn disaster. And we'll see how long my phone lasts without Wi-Fi as well, because they throttle you. They give you. They only give you 500 megabytes now. When man, when I first started coming down here, well, not first, but like I would say probably around 2014, something like that. 2014, 2015, you'd come down here and your phone plan. If you had an unlimited plan with Verizon in the U.S., you'd have an unlimited plan here. And then all of a sudden, Donald Trump gets into office and they stop doing that. And now I only get 500 megabytes of of high speed internet a day without Wi-Fi, and then they throw you back to, like, I don't even know, like, dial-up speed. But anyway, oh, you know, I wanted to run through, before, you know, before we get into the, the rest of the stuff today, you know, the, the, I've been following the crypto markets, and I wanted to give a little update on Bitcoin, because I noticed the chart has looking pretty bad, as I kind of indicated on the the last Bitcoin, the crypto bloodbath episode that I did. If you remember that episode, or maybe if you want to go back and refresh your memory, Bitcoin, after it broke down, it could, it was sort of bumping its head up against that 40,000 level, right? We, we did a couple days where, we, you know, we got up to 40,000, like flirted with 40,000, got beat down, flirted with 40,000, got beat down. It's now tested that level at about 40,000. It broke above it briefly, uh, back in like early June, I guess. And then it got beat down, back down to like, was that about 32,000 or so? It, it tried it again, got beat down, tried it a third time, and it actually closed above 40,000. And that was looking good. But it turned out that that was kind of a false breakout. It took a dump from there, and we just broke below the, the previous structure support. And that was, let's see, yesterday we broke below it. And today we finished off of the lows, but it, it got down. It tested that 30,000 level, almost that 30,000 level again. And it, it rallied off of that, but it's, we just broke structural support to the downside. That, that 30,000 level that we identified that back in the other video is going to be pretty key here because there's really nothing but air between where Bitcoin is now and 30,000 and then after 30,000 it could just take a huge dump down. So I just thought I would update you guys on you guys on that. You know, we identified that that 40,000 level as sort of a key uh structural resistance, you know, it was going to be hard to get above that and we've identified that 30,000 level as some key support right around there, so um, I'm trying to look at this on my phone, and it's just really hard. So, if I'm if I'm not exact on these levels, that would be the reason why. But yeah, it's it's not looking too bullish right now for the Bitcoin. And I saw that Dogecoin took a dump today too, and it was down to like 19 cents or something. So, the cryptos are getting beat down pretty hard here, and it's not looking good. We'll see if they can hold support. Anyway, 
that's uh, that's all I had to say about that. But you might want to uh, beware that we just broke structural support to the downside and act accordingly. If you um, have a position on, you might want to um, change your your thinking here because it doesn't look like we're getting above forty thousand anytime soon. They that's um, now that is really some key structural resistance there, and it's going to take quite a, a big push to get above that. I guess since we're we're talking about previous episodes, if you remember the one where I was discussing how the uh, the real estate market has been changing and these huge corporations and pension funds and things like that have been buying up houses and all this real estate, there was another big purchase of houses by one of the, you know one of these institutional investing investor companies, right? And this time, you know, we, we talked about how BlackRock was buying up all of this real estate. And this was from the that Wall Street Journal article, if you guys remember correctly. Well, now this company, uh, Blackstone, not to be confused with BlackRock, according to the Wall Street Journal, reporting again, it it's not only America's largest landlord, but also the world's largest real estate company. With $325 billion portfolio, it has agreed to buy single-family rental company Home Partners of America for $6 billion, betting that the demand for suburban housing will stay hot even as the pandemic eases. Home Partners owns more than 17,000 houses in the United States. The company buys, rents, and eventually offers its tenants a chance to buy them. Now... All of those functions will be done by the largest U.S. private equity firm. So that's Blackstone is the largest U.S. private equity firm. And they now have uh, another 17,000 houses on their books. Single-family rentals have been a favorite institutional bet over the past year. Surprise, surprise, we kind of went over why that might be in that previous episode. As real estate investors have sought new places to invest during the pandemic that kept Americans away from offices, hotels, and malls. So unlike BlackRock, which is relatively a recent entrant into the U.S. housing market, Blackstone, which built invitation homes into the largest single-family landlord following the U.S. foreclosure crisis, has rekindled its interest. Last August, it led a group of investors that acquired a minority stake in Toronto-based Tricon Residential, Inc., which owns and operates... Ooh, did I just get power? I think I just got power. I think I heard the microwave come on. Hang on a second. Uh, Nope, false alarm. Son of a bitch. I don't know what that beeping noise was, but it was not, I guess, coming from my place. It might have been from outside or something. Another weird noise here down in Mexico, but... I do not have power, so false alarm there. Where was I? Um, uh, Tricon Residential Inc., which owns and operates more than 31,000 homes and apartments. As Bloomberg notes, there may also be a case of seller's regret. The company exited its stake in Invitation Homes in 2019, selling the last of its position for $30.10 a share. Blackstone made about $7 billion on its stake in Invitation, more than doubling its money. So now it's time for Blackstone to easily double its money again. Once again, courtesy of the Fed's ultra-easy policy, monetary policy, which grants the likes of Blackstone virtually unlimited funds, even as most Americans struggle to pay off their 20% APR credit cards. And we're going to talk a little bit about these struggling Americans pretty soon here. But yeah, like, like we talked about, this is what happens when you have 
interference in the free market. And uh, I, I don't know where this article is coming from. The uh, This guy's right on the money. I mean, if they weren't able to borrow at like practically nothing, and especially when we have all this inflation coming down the pike, I, I mean, this is they're getting free money to go gamble with in the in the real estate market and i mean how are you going to compete with a, a firm that makes seven billion dollars and uh, the the flood of investor capital comes as low inventory pushes prices higher at the fastest pace ever and tenants opt for rental houses over apartments moments ago the nar reported that the median existing home sale price hit a record three hundred and fifty thousand, up 24 percent in the past year Home prices are fucking surging. And not just in the U.S. You know, I was talking to a Canadian friend of mine, and he was talking about the, the housing situation in Canada and how everybody is buying up all of these cabins and cottages in the countryside and the suburbs, getting out of the cities. Buy, like Housing prices have gone through the roof, e even north of our border as well. And um, it, looking at these charts here, it looks like sales of houses in the million-dollar price range are up over, no, up about 245% in the last year. So anyway, back to the article. Uh, invitation homes posted an occupancy rate of more than 98% in the first quarter, allowing the industry giant to increase rents on new leases at a record rate. Rising rents and low inventory have also made single-family landlords a target across the political spectrum. Recently, oh, they're, they're just talking about some author, J.D. Vance, went on a, a Twitter rampage okay, about it. And in 2019, Elizabeth Warren blasted Blackstone for shamelessly profiting from the U.S. foreclosure crisis, arguing that Wall Street investment in a single-family home was a huge loss for American renters. Um, yeah, so you are going to start seeing politicians bloviate about this topic. They're going to be wringing their hands about all of these firms buying up all of this real estate, but they're never going to make the connection to their monetary policy, which is at the root of, of all of these problems. It's always the fucking Federal Reserve. Every single time. Every time there's an issue, look to our monetary policy. They're either they're enabling it or causing it. Every single time. And the, the the problem is, one of the things I talked about with the Vixens on the last episode, is like, they're going to come up with some sort of regulation that they can't buy this many houses and... They're gonna, or they're gonna come out with more housing programs to help uh, Americans afford single-family homes. But just like everything else, like they do with the the cost of college degrees, tuition costs, um, housing prices, like they've always done this. They don't make housing more affordable. They talk out of both sides of their mouth. They want how housing prices to always be increasing and always be higher. Yet they want to make affordable housing. Uh, so which is it, right? And I've talked about the that whole kind of conundrum before on the show. So I'd, obviously, since I only have 11% battery, I don't have time to get into that today. But what they're doing is typical of government. They're going to run around and stomp on the roaches and never get to the root of the problem. And the root of this problem is the Federal Reserve, as usual. California's solution to this problem is to pay all of the back rent that has been racking up during the pandemic 
This is coming from the Epic Times. California authorities announced Monday that the state plans to pay off 100% of unpaid rent accumulated during the pandemic with money to come from some $5.2 billion in federal COVID-19 relief funds. Now, look, I know this seems like a solution when the government just gives you money, but it's really not, okay? It, it, this is a this is not going to help the situation if if all they're doing is making it affordable for the like making housing affordable by allowing you to go further into debt to afford it or paying exorbitantly high rents with printed federal money that's only going to keep putting upward pressure on these prices um we need to have more inventory, obviously, but if people can't pay these rents, they they need to come down, and the only way they're going to come down is if um, these places go vacant. So now, because the government forced everybody out of work, they forced businesses to shut down, they locked people in their houses in California, not only do we have to bail them out uh, with federal relief funds, COVID-19 related, but really... It's, it's more just the fact that California's been fucking bankrupt forever because of their, their profligate spending ways. But now the, the rest of the country has to pay off the back rent of all these Californians who are getting paid not to work. Governor Gavin Newsom wrote in a tweet Monday that California is planning rent forgiveness on a scale never seen before in the United States. While eligibility criteria for the newly proposed program is still unclear, Reports indicate that the measure would both give renters in arrears a clean slate and make landlords whole. Wonderful. Wonderful. The state currently has about $5.2 billion on hand for multiple congressional aid packages that is earmarked for unpaid rent. Boom. Nationwide, this is certainly the largest rent relief there's ever been. Yeah, I, I believe, I'm sure it has. But this proposed measure is separate from California's existing COVID rent relief program, which is designed to help lower-income Californians who are behind on rent. Under the existing program, eligible renters can apply for landlords to be reimbursed for 80% of each eligible renter's unpaid rent between April 1st and March 31st. April 1st, 2020, and April to March, through March, Jesus Christ. Sorry, if it sounds like I am operating on less brain power than my computer, it is because that is true. I got very little sleep last night. Um, April 1st, 2020 through March 31st, 2021, the condition is that the landlord must agree to waive the remaining 20% unpaid rent for that time period. If the landlord chooses not to participate in the program, eligible renters can apply to receive 25% of unpaid rent accumulated between those same dates. So they can't be above 80% AMI. That's the area median income. If you want to be eligible for this, uh, the existing relief program, blah, 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 blah. Still unsettled is whether California will continue to ban evictions for unpaid rent beyond June 30th. Keith Becker of Sonoma County Property Manager told the Associated Press that 14 tenants are more than $100,000 behind in rent payments. Becker said it puts financial pressure on the owners, who he said have resigned themselves to rent renter protections, which he noted were aimed at addressing a public health emergency not to be permanent. We should do our best to get back to the starting. Yeah, you, you think nothing is so permanent as a temporary government program. Now this is this stuff kind of stuff is never going to go away now. You cannot give people free year and a half worth of rent and expect them to start paying rent again. 
you know what's going to happen is the exact same thing that's happening in Indiana right now. Let's take a quick second and thank one of our other sponsors for today's show, and that is Zipix Toothpicks. These are nicotine-infused toothpicks, and they are also flavored. So it's the best of both worlds. You get a delicious-tasting toothpick that also can curb that nicotine craving. It is a great smokeless alternative to cigarettes. It's a great alternative to all the other over-the-counter nicotine alternatives. It's cheaper than all of those. It's uh, less cumbersome than a lot of them. I mean, it's just a toothpick. You can pop it into your mouth anywhere you want. There's no mess. You can take as much nicotine out of it as you want. You can save it for later if you don't need all the nicotine that's in the toothpick. You can do it indoors. You can do it outdoors. You can do it without anybody knowing that you're actually getting a nicotine fix. So go to ZipixToothpicks.com. Use promo code FICTION for 10% off your order. He's got six different flavors. You can get the ultimate flavor pack if you want to try them all. If you're a smoker or you uh, you chew tobacco or you're on the nicotine gum or the patch or something like that, try out these toothpicks as a, an alternative to what you're already doing. You won't be sorry. So make sure you go to zippixtoothpicks.com. That's Z-I-P-P-I-X toothpicks.com. Order yourself a bunch of these nicotine-infused flavored toothpicks so that you have the perfect alternative to get you that nicotine fix that you need from time to time. ZipixToothpicks.com, promo code FICTION. Indiana residents are suing after the governor nixes unemployment benefits. So you remember those unemployment benefits, the extra unemployment benefits that uh, the federal government was giving everybody like $300 a week? Well, the governor of Indiana came out and said he's ending that extra $300 a week that they're getting early. It's supposed to end, let's see. Um, well, oh, we'll just go to the article here. Uh, a group of Indiana residents have filed a lawsuit against state officials challenging the state's decision to end federal unemployment benefits by the end of the week. The lawsuit, filed last Monday, seeks to preserve what was supposed to be a temporary pandemic safety net of $300 a week on top of the other state or federal benefits after Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb announced last month that the state would pull out of the federal program before its official September end date in order to motivate unemployed people to help fill the state's more than 116,000 job openings. Holcomb is joined by around a dozen mostly red states. It's not black and white, said Sharon Singer Mann in a statement to Indie Star. Everybody's story is not the same. I'm not going back to work, not at the risk of my son's life. We'll have to decide which utility bill to pay, which household items to let go of. We'll have to change what kind of shampoo we use, what kind of toilet paper we use. Uh, Listen, or, or, Sharon... You could go get a job. Uh, I I don't understand this thing about risking your son's life. I think they might be getting at the fact that they need child care in order to go back to work because the kids aren't in school or something like that, maybe? Is Is that the case in Indiana? They haven't opened up the schools? Like, why haven't they opened up the schools? We know for a fact that kids are not... Um are not at risk for COVID. They don't really transfer it. They don't get it. And when they do get it, they're not very sick. There's like almost no chance of dying. I guarantee you it's far dangerous to just ride the the bus to school than it is to go to school with, with COVID, right? So 
why? Why is there um why is there an issue with childcare? Well, it's because the the government schools wouldn't be open. And here's an idea, Sharon. Maybe you know there's 116,000 open jobs. You can get one of those instead of changing your toilet paper and your shampoo. Or better yet, if this is a huge problem that everybody, all these Indiana mothers are facing with no childcare, start in like an underground daycare center. Just start that. Start watching other kid, people's kids so they can go to work. And then you can have your own little side business under the table, pay no taxes, solve two bir- you know, two problems, kill two birds with one stone. I mean, this is a no-brainer. If, every, if the only thing that's you know, keeping all these mothers from going back to work is that they're stuck with their kids, then why don't we have more child care facilities? And obviously, the, one of the reasons for that is it's so fucking hard to start a child care facility with all the government red tape and regulations and uh, licensing laws and all that shit. But start an underground one. Just get get together with all of your lady friends, you know, get the sewing circle together. And you guys could even rotate, you could rotate days. You know, you take the kids on Monday, Carol takes the kids on Tuesday, and, you know, everybody works four days a week and they take one day with the kids or something like that. That would be better than nothing. You'd make more than $300 a week doing whatever it is that you do, I guarantee you. But, I mean, seriously, like, what... <laughs> What are we doing here? Like, we can't just keep paying people not to work forever. And, you know, okay, so it's going to end in September. It's what, June? It's almost July. So you're going to have to, what, okay, July, August, and then maybe September. Was it the end of September? I don't know if it said, or is like sometime, or September 1st. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. You've only got a couple, you know, a couple more of those checks coming anyway. So you're going to have to get back to work at some point. This is the, the sense of entitlement of people now to just expect these checks to keep coming while they sit on their fucking ass and watch Netflix all day is really unbelievable. And I do feel bad for all of these people that lost their jobs because of this overreaction to COVID, because of all these ridiculous government policies forcing them to shut down their businesses. However, things are open now. Things have been opening back up. There are jobs to be had. And if you need to put food on the table, if you need to put toilet papers in the bathroom, I mean, these are your kids. What are you, You're supposed to be a mother. You're not supposed to look to the government to raise your kids for you. What are you doing? This is like Mom 101. This is your job to, to work to support your kid. And if you got to go get a job, then you got to go get a job. And if you need to start a daycare center, then you need to start a daycare center and help out all the other moms. I mean, I mean, there are a million different solutions to this problem. None of them. The, the only thing that's not a solution is looking to the government for a check every week. I mean, I'm sure it feels good to get an extra 300 bucks unemployment benefits, but that's just, that's just the extra thing. Your regular unemployment benefits, from my understanding, are not ending. So, okay, you're not going to be living as high on the hog as you were before. But my God, this is not a solution. And they are entrapping you. The, you know, people think that these are lifelines coming from the government. Oh, an extra 300 bucks. This is really going to change my life. This, this is going to allow me to buy the good shampoo or the good toilet paper, like whatever she's talking about. Nothing could be further from the truth. These are shackles, okay? These are chains designed to trap you in a life of dependence and poverty on the government. And think of what that's doing psychologically to your kids. Think of the message you're sending them. How are you raising your kids today? Is this, is this what you actually want them to, to strive for in life? 
to look to the government to just give them a check to just when when things get tough you just throw up your hands oh shucks well you know everybody's situation isn't the same and i got it bad and this really sucks and so i need the government to do this and that or do you want to show them that you're going to take control of your life take control of your finances your destiny and when you're met with a challenge you rise to the occasion you do whatever it takes to take care of your children. You do whatever it takes to put food on the table. You do what you have to do. You take that job, whatever it is. There's 116,000 of them. There's got to be one out there for you. Now, th this article goes on to say, and I don't have time to go through the whole thing because I'm now down to 6% battery. This article goes on to say, you know, oh, there's like 200,000 people receiving these checks and only 116,000 jobs. And oh, okay, maybe you have to leave Indiana. I don't know. Um, maybe you got to go across the border to Chicago. I mean, the people do that all the time. Um, there, there's plenty of jobs there too, I'm sure. There, there are solutions to these problems. There are things you can do. But you really have to look yourself in the mirror, especially if you have kids. I mean, it's one thing to just be like an unemployed, unemployed like schlub bachelor uh, collecting these checks and just sitting on your keister all day. But you've got kids, you've got a responsibility, you have other people depending on you, you have other people looking to you to lead by example. And the example you're setting for your kids right now is, well, like this sucks, I got fired, nothing I can do about it, I guess I need the government to give me this extra check, otherwise, you know, we can't go out for ice cream this weekend, or we can't get the good shampoo, and every time the kid asks for a toy, you gotta say, nah, sorry, you can't have that, the government didn't give me the extra 300 bucks this week. I mean, don't you want to give your kids everything, every opportunity, everything that they could ever want in this world. I mean, sure, you don't want to spoil your kids, but you want to give them everything they need. You want them to be well-nurtured and taken care of. That's never going to happen from the government. It's never going to happen with $300 a week. I'm sorry, I, I know that probably seems like a ton of money to some people, but my God, like if you put half of the effort into finding a job or starting um, you know, some sort of side gig or something like that, that you're putting into this lawsuit, that you're putting into wringing your hands and just complaining about the shitty situation you're in instead of meeting these challenges head on. If you put half that energy into something productive, you'd be making way more than the extra $300 a week. And, and I know, and believe me, I've talked <laughs> until I'm blue in the face about all of the obstacles that government throws up to starting employment, to coming off of these unemployed benefits. And it is that the largest marginal tax increase is when that you go from collecting these benefits to actually working because the government is going to take a shitload of money from you to fund their bloated, bureaucratic, fucked up, immoral system where we do all sorts of ridiculous things, not the, the least of which is pay for California's back rent for a year. Yes, it's going, they're, they're going to make it exponentially more difficult for you to get by, which is why not only do you have to rise to the occasion and you have to figure out a way to get a, to get a job, to put food on the table for your kids, to raise your kids with, with proper morals, with proper insight into how life works and to how they should approach challenges and, and just work itself. Not only do you have to do that, but you have to you seriously reevaluate what you think the role of government should be. 
because they're reaching into your left pocket and taking out a bunch of money and putting you know half of what they take back into your right pocket and it feels like you're only just focused on that right pocket oh look at look at what the government's giving me you're not looking at what they're taking or what it's costing you and it's costing all of us so much more than it should for all of these even the the most essential so-called essential government functions that everybody thinks um, all these status, all the way from status, like super status to minarchist, all of these so-called essential functions can and would be handled by the free market if you just allow the free market to operate and the government gets out of the way and you will be paying a fraction of the cost and you will be getting exponentially better service just like every other free market option that you have. Now, I know it's hard to envision a, a society where government doesn't fulfill this particular role, but it's possible. It's happened before. It will happen again. The government is doing a million things, a million more things today than it did even just 30 years ago. I mean, think about it. Think about t back to when you were a kid or something like that. I mean, I, I can remember 25, 30 years ago. The life was not like we didn't live in some like destitute, poverty stricken country with with homeless people everywhere. We had houses. People were living in them. We had like people had jobs like look at the homeless population now, especially in places like California and Detroit and places like that versus uh, back, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago before any of these government programs existed, before we had all these housing initiatives, before we had all these uh, student loans and government funded uh, this, government funded that, government backed this, government backed that. None of this stuff existed, certainly not to the extent that it does now. And we're spending more money than ever before, and things are getting exponentially worse. I mean, doesn't it just seem like the more government tries to help, the worse things get? Everything they do is just a, 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 an unmitigated disaster. They screw it all up completely for the rest of us. Now, the people in government, the people connected to government, the people right outside of Washington, D.C. And, and Virginia, right around the, the, the swamp, right, they're doing great. The politically connected, they're fucking living high in the hog. But look at the rest of us. Look at what they've done to this country. Look at the, the predicament they put all of these people in. I mean, why, why do we think that there's a government solution to these problems when every single time the government proposes something, it, it ends up being the, the worse, worse than the, the initial problem. It, it creates 10 more problems on top of it, never solves what they claimed it was going to solve. And then we just look around like a bunch of lemmings and be like, well, it's because there were Democrats, or that's because they were opposed. If we just get my guy in there, then everything will be great. Listen, we, we, you know, we flip back and forth. You know, We go Democrat, then we go Republican, and the pendulum just keeps swinging back and forth. And each administration fucks it up worse than the one before it. Just, so just stop it. This is not like a crazy idea to, to start rolling back government a little bit. What if we just went back to the government we had, you know, the size of the government we had 20 years ago when they were only spending, I don't know, a couple trillion dollars a year? Would that really be the end of the world? The end of the world as we know it? And what, what world are we ending? I mean, look at the state of affairs right now throughout the country. Things, have things ever been this bad? Not in recent memory. I mean, things are, and they're going to get a lot worse, believe me. They're going to get a lot worse. But man, what if we just went back to like 1999 size government? How we just start there? Even 2010, I mean, like, dude, we're, we're spending, the, the size of our government is so much bigger now 
than it was just 10 years ago and then 10 years before that. Everything is getting exponentially bigger and all the problems are getting exponentially worse. So, I, I mean, this is not like an outrageous, outlandish request to start rolling back government. We can do this and you can do this if you, you have to free your mind from these, these mental shackles that they're putting you in. You have to free your, yourself uh, mentally and physically from these, the, you know, this dependency that they've now created. And it's, I mean, it's scary. It's always scary when you have to take, uh, take on risk. But this is very doable, and th and to you know to pay these people to um to not work. This is exactly what we talked about months ago when they came out with this program, and this is what's happening now. Nobody wants to go back to work because they're making more sitting at home than they would be working. Well, obviously, and I don't you know I don't really begrudge people for making that decision, but to sue the government because they're 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 turning off the spigots, the extra three hundred that you're getting from the feds. Because you need to get back to work now, uh, man. That is uh, that is some uh, a really debilitating sense of entitlement that is just destroying the fabric of this nation, and it will be the ultimate downfall to ra to raise another generation of dependent, mindless, entitled kids that are going to grow up to be just worthless adults. I mean, do you want your kids to be productive members of society or do you want them to be a drag on society? I mean, this this is I mean, this is what's at stake here. Think think of your kids, think of the future, think of the the country that you want them living in, the city that you want them living in, the life that you want them having, and think of what kind of life they're going to be having if all they think it all they can fathom is possible is like well i can't achieve anything i need the government to do this for me i need some you know the cold hard hand of the federal government to stroke me a check just enough to get by to next week and we'll just live week to week paycheck to paycheck until the day we die that is what's at stake here and that is the life that you know you're you're teaching your kids to maybe not just value, but to cling to. You're clinging to poverty and desperation and stress and misery and depression. I mean, what kind of life is that? That's not that's not a life, you know. You know, there's it's it's like the COVID thing. There's more to living than not dying. Okay, there, there's more to life than clinging to what you have, clinging to the scraps from the government table. You're never going to be happy. You're never going to be satisfied. You're never going to get fulfillment out of life if you don't have liberty, if you don't have freedom. And in order to do that, you got to take on some responsibility. You, it's really hard to have freedom and liberty without money. And it's really hard to get, to get money if you're not willing to work for it, if you're not willing to provide value to the rest of society. These, all, these are all related. They all go hand in hand. But you've got to at least take a shot. I, I, I mean, do you really want to look back at the rest of your life and, and think, oh, what could have happened? Instead of just, you know, what, what could I have done differently after I got laid off from, you know, that, that, that server job or that factory job that I had because of COVID? And, when I, and I just threw up my hands and just said, well, okay, government, what are you going to do for me now? Where's my 300 extra dollars a week? Where's my unemployment benefits? I need this. I need that. What can you do for me? Who, who can I put in power to start giving me things from, that they take from other people? 
first of all, even if that was going to make you, you know, rich beyond your wildest dreams, which it's not and it never will, it's physically impossible because the government destroys everything. It has to destroy before it can give you something. So no matter what it gives you, it's destroying more in the process. But me just giving you a bunch of money or something is not going to make you happy. Okay, it, it really isn't. You're, it, it'll probably just make you resentful and, and more depressed because you know, you know you didn't earn it. But imagine just for a second that you you figure out, you, you take a, a, you know, a hard look in the mirror, you take stock in yourself, you figure out what you can do to provide value for other people and you take a shot and you fucking go for it. Imagine the possibilities. I mean, they are endless. You like it. You're only limited by what you're willing to put into it, by what you're willing to do. You're not. You're not limited by some government bureaucratic decree, by some piece of legislation, or by the time horizon on the next unemployment program. There, there's not going to be a clock uh, on like how much longer you're going to get this this benefit or that benefit. There's not going to be a ceiling on it. The the only ceiling is is what you put for yourself. The only thing limiting you is you, rather than having this this gigantic government thing lowering the ceiling on top of you, and, and maybe raising it a lit just a little bit every couple of years, just enough to get by, just enough so, yeah, you know, you don't have to, you're not out on the streets, but you're never gonna have anything more than that. Is that really the kind of life that you want? I mean, and it's not like these programs are actually going away anytime soon. I mean, let's be realistic here. So take the shot. We've got all these other fucking safety nuts for you. Take the shot now before it's too late. Let go of it. Let go of it. Take the risk. Go make something of yourself. And man, even if you fail the first 10 times, that 11th time when you're actually successful, your kids are going to fucking see that. And they're gonna they're gonna be proud of you. You're gonna be proud of yourself. You're gonna have a sense of self worth and satisfaction because you provided for your family. You provided. You put that food on the table. You put that toilet paper in the bathroom. Not some fucking bureaucrat who, who didn't sacrifice anything. Who just ran the fucking printing press and stroked a check for you. It didn't cost them anything. They get to grandstand and and pat themselves on the back. They didn't sacrifice anything from that. They're only sacrificing the dollar. And all of this money printing is, is never going to, you know, there's never going to be a check big enough for the government to cut you that's going to keep pace with the inflation that they're creating. So either way, if they keep this program going or they stop it, that 300 bucks is not going to cut it. And no matter what they raise it to, that's not going to cut it. They can't keep pace with the inflation that they are creating. This is just going to be an unmitigated disaster. So you really have no choice. You, you have no choice. You have to go and do this on your own. You cannot depend on the government. They are going to destroy everything that's left. And, and you will, man, you will look back at this and just with, with so much regret and, and just so disappointed in yourself, depressed and just beat down because of these decisions that you're making right now. So don't do that. Just right now, just Put your foot down, make a mental decision that no matter what obstacle comes in front of me, I'm going to take it head on and I'm going to go out and I'm going to provide for my fucking family because that's what I did. That's the responsibility I took on when I started having kids and with freedom comes responsibility. I owe it to them. I owe it to myself and, and just go do it. Just do it.
Nike. <laughs> All right. And I, I'm going to wrap there for today, guys, because I have 4% battery and I have no idea how quickly this is going, but I have to, you know, save it and, and try to, I mean, I'll try to get it up together, but I, I, I don't know. Um, how much more power I'm going to have. So this episode might not drop until I actually get power back. I do apologize for that, but bear with us here over at the uh, Cinco Buenos Pedaling Fiction Studios. And do me a favor, if you like what you heard today, follow me on Twitter, at Pedal Fiction. Check out our YouTube channel for some shorter clips of highlights from episodes. And give me a rating and review on iTunes. I really want to, to get those, those ratings and reviews up since I lost a bunch of iTunes listeners over the last month or so. And if you guys can do all that for me, I will be back on Friday, Friday with a brand new episode for you. I am traveling, by the way. I decided last minute to take a trip... I'm going to go visit a buddy of mine in Florida. I wanted to leave on Friday, but out of a sense of obligation to all you fiction peddlers out there, and especially the ones in the Friday night happy hour, I decided to push that trip to Saturday. So I will be leaving Saturday, Saturday afternoon. I won't be getting back until Wednesday. So there, if I do a show on next Tuesday, it will be pre-recorded, and it will probably be like an Ask Me Anything something or other that I'll pose to the private Facebook group. So go check out the private Facebook group and I will talk to you guys on Friday. And until then, you guys know the drill. Just keep on peddling that so-called fiction. Peace.